Welcome to City Reach Cumberland's weekly podcast. We hope this message blesses you. For more information about us, you can check us out on the web at cityreachcumberland.com. Anybody else ever get overwhelmed with the love of God? <laughs> Amen. Amen. I, I've, I've been just overwhelmed all week with it. And uh, this morning, just, I mean, God had me sitting here on the speaker this morning just crying. And I, I'm going to start again because I'm just, I'm so overwhelmed by the love of God. And this week, he, 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 he pressed on me. I don't want to say spoke to me because it wasn't an audible voice. But I was here, and, and I'm working on things for, for today. And uh, he gave me this image of my, my first son. And anybody who's a parent that has multiple children, like, we love all of our children equally. But there's, there's just something about looking at your first child. And uh, he gave me this image of my son laying in his crib and, and the thought process of, of leaning over the edge of it while he's sleeping, just looking at him, be like, man, I, I love you. Like, you're amazing, and I just want the best for you. And, I, and I, I, I heard God speak to me and say, I love you so much more than that. And that's, that's an amazing thing. We can't even understand love that God And I just want... To, to think of that today, and, and tomorrow morning when you wake up and you have the Monday blues, to just say to yourself as soon as your eyes open, I'm loved. I am loved. And watch how much better your day is when you have that thought process of I'm loved. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what happens today. I'm loved. By God himself, the creator of the universe, loves me. What an amazing thing. So, uh, that was a, just a side note in what God's really been pressing on me. We, uh, we're going to continue on today in uh, the All About Phil series. Um, I love it. I, I do. I love it that for weeks our church has been saying All About Phil. And it's, it's hard to say that with that message today because it's all about humility and being humble and then I stand on stage and say it's all about Phil. So just know that it's not all about me, but it's all about Philippians. Um, we've been in this for, I believe, four weeks now. Um, I believe Fred's going to continue on next week, so we have that to look forward to. Um, my prayer here this morning is that this message comes out correctly, because as you can see, what I did with offering, my brain is kind of frazzled, so hopefully we can get through this. So what we're going to be looking today is Philippians uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And it's, it's all about being humble. So let's go ahead and real quick just read through these, the, the scriptures in entirety, and then we'll pray over this message. So starting in Philippians 2, uh, verse 1. Therefore, if there is any consultation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy... Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each of you esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also the interest of others. Verse 5, let this mind be in you, which also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, 
did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. To glory to God. And that's where every ounce of our actions, our thoughts, our heart, every bit of it, everything that you, you incorporate into your life should be the glory of God shining through you and what you're doing it for. Let us pray over this message. Father God, we just we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for Jesus. We, Jesus, we thank you for your suffering. We thank you for your, your washing of our sins, the, the things that, that you took for us, God. You, you, we deserve death, but you have given us honor and life, and we thank you for that. God, as this message takes place this morning, I ask always that it, that it be 100% of you, zero of me. God, I ask that the hearts and minds here receive it, and that it, that it be spoken in the way that you want it to, God. We, we invite your spirit into this message, and we just tell you that we love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. That's all I ever want in my life. So if you notice, I broke the, the verses into two different slides for you. It was 1 through 4, and then 5 through 11. And this is something that Paul does a lot inside of his letters. What he did here was 1 through 4 is a way of explaining to you what your humbleness should look like. And then he gives you a depiction of Christ being humble. And he does this in multiple places of telling you how it is and then showing you how it was. And I love that Paul does that because we, we're set to, to follow the example of Jesus. So there's so much more than just telling you what that looks like, but allowing you to see what that looks like with Jesus. So, like I said, we're looking at humble today, and I want to show you, I traced back humble to its root word, and I am by no means a Greek or Latin or Hebrew, like, guru, but I am going to do my best to pronounce this word for you. I have listened to it a hundred times trying to figure it out. What I understand is pronounced tapanayo, and I highlighted but you can't see the highlights because the screen is orange. But the ones that I highlighted was three different spots. And it's the very, the very first dot there. It says to make low. The second one is to be ranked below others who are honored or rewarded. And the third that I highlighted was of one's soul bring down one's pride. Pride has no place in humility whatsoever. But the first one was to make low. I want you to think of Jesus. What did he do? He came from the highest of highs to low, right with you. But not only did he come low, 
He ranked himself below us and honored us and rewarded us with his service. Of one's soul, bring down one's pride. This is mind-blowing to think that the God of the universe, the creator of all, brought his pride down, did not think of himself as God, and thought of himself as a servant to mankind himself. And that's the, the, the thought process that we need to get, that we are, we're not something special, that we are servants just as Jesus is. And I, I, I just, I want that mindset so bad in my life. I never want a prideful ounce of me to be anywhere. I want to I be known as a servant. And I, I thought about this week that, that even, even when I pass, I, I don't even want my tombstone to say my name. I want it to say a lover of Jesus. Something along those lines. I want no acknowledgement. And I, and I hope that we can, we can all, as we'll see in here, it says to, to all be in one accord. And man, if we all thought of each other greater than ourselves, if we, if we looked at everybody else of how can I serve you, man, it'd be an amazing world. It really would be. So Philippians 2, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, if there's any consultation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded and having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. So the very first word in this chapter is therefore, which means that it is a continuation of previous to what it's saying right now. And the, the previous chapter, chapter 1, the end of it, it's, it is serving and suffering for Christ is what it's talking about. And he's explaining, he's, he's continuing on. Um, for those that don't know, that may be new to the Bible or that, the, the numbers that are inside of there, the chapter numbers, the verse numbers, that was something that was added later on. This is, the, the letter is one continuation that's just a place for us to find things. But that's what that therefore means, is that there's a previous statement that this is attached to. But it says, if there's any consultation in Christ. So if you've ever had any type of encounter or, or any type of comfort or, or that from Christ, He's speaking to you. He says, if any comfort of love, God himself is love. If this love has ever came to you, if you've ever experienced this love, he's speaking to you. Fellowship in the Spirit. If you have ever said the words, Jesus, I accept you. God, I believe in you. I know that you died and, and spent three days in the grave and rose for me. Then, then you've had the, 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 the fellowship of the Spirit. But then the last one it gives, if any affection and mercy. This is what proves to me that it's speaking to every person ever to live, ever living currently, or ever coming to live. Because there is mercy over top of every one of us. And God showed that the day that he put himself on that cross and died for you and I. He gave mercy to every man. So it tells me that Paul is not just speaking to the Philippians. He is speaking to everybody as an entire category. It says, fulfill my joy, being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, one mind. 
So if you've ever experienced any of these four, which we just discussed that you had to have because there's mercy, and that's over top of every one of us, this is in the way that you should, should go. That you, you should have the joy and be like-minded with one another. Having the same love, being one accord, one mind. And there's only one mindset that we can have inside of the Christian world. And that's, that's Jesus. Anything else outside of that is, is not of that. But it, it makes me think of a verse that is in Romans 15, and it's 5 and 6. It says, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded towards one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, to, may, now may God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded. And the only way that you can be like-minded is if you, you think of the same way, but, but that you act of the same way, and that you learn of the same way, and that you are of the same way. But who knows that we are multiple members, but we are one body. We are all part. We are, we are all just a small piece of the toenail of Christ. And it, it tells us that in 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of the one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. I, I thought about that this week, and I got the depiction of, of one body. We can't, we can't go in two directions. I can't stand here and walk in two different directions. The only physical way for me to do that is to split myself in half and go. But that's not possible, because what happens if you split something? A human being, it, it, it falls apart, it dies. You're, you're no longer one accord, one mind. But it also makes me think that we can't operate without each other. We can't. The hand cannot operate without the mouth, and the mouth can't operate without the hand. Now, I know that you guys are probably thinking, well, I see your hand moving, and I see your mouth moving at the same time. They, they act in, as their own. But here's the thing. The, the mouth can't eat without the hand. But the hand can't get nourished without the mouth eating. They have to operate together. And it's, it's, it's something that's so great inside of our, our one accord. And it's, it's really where we're called to, to understand that that's how we can be servants to one another, to understand that we can't do it without one another. The hand can't get nourishment unless it feeds the mouth. So therefore, the hand must feed the mouth, but the mouth must nourish the hand. But it all operates under one thing, the mind. And who is that mind? Christ himself is the mind that is in control of it all. So we've got to operate in one, one accord, but it, say, it says, so also is Christ. It's explaining to us that we are, again, that we are all one body that is inside of Christ. Christ himself is the body. We are just the parts that make up that body. Now, here's where it starts getting into what you need to do to be humble. After you've accepted that, that we're servants to one another and accepted that, that we're, we're one body, how do we start humbling ourselves? Verse 3 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, excuse me, but also for the interest of others. 
I love how the verse starts. It doesn't say, let some things, let one thing, let part of you. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. I talked about the, the love of my son. And I don't feed my son to stand in front of him and say, ha, look at what I did for you. Isn't life good because, because I fed you? No. I, I feed him. Why? Because I love him. Because I want him to grow strong. I want to see him as the best. I want, to, I want to see him surpass the things that I did in life, which isn't much, so it's not going to be hard. Um, but let it be done through, self, through no selfish ambition or conceit. We struggle with that because we always want acknowledgement on everything we do. And we've made it even 10 times worse in our world today. And I, I know I bash Facebook a lot, but it's the worst thing that has ever happened to us for our selfish ambitions. Because in it, this is one of the reasons I removed Facebook out of my life. Because I found myself not doing things just to do them and be a servant in love. I found myself doing things so I could take a picture and post it on Facebook to say, look at me. Look at what I'm doing. And that is a selfish ambition. Any ounce of you that is a selfish ambition or, or a deceit, you have to remove out of your life. And if you're, you're acting as one and knowing that the hand feeds the mouth and the mouth nourishes the hand, the hand doesn't jump in front of the face every time that it, it gives it something. It just gives it to it, and then it goes back to its business. Why? Because it just wants to feed it so it can be nourished. Let each of you look not only for his own interest, but also the interest of others. I found that, I found that verse to be intriguing to myself, and I, I went looking through multiple versions to, to make sure it said the same across the board. So I looked at it in King James, New Living, and English Standard. And I want to read those three to you and see, see how they're so similar and, and so much alike. But it says, look, out not, look not every man in his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Don't, an NLT, don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. English Standard, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. It made me think of some preachings that I've heard and teachings, and I'm not, I'm not claiming anybody to be wrong. I'm by no means perfect, but this is the thought process that I got from it. You know, there's the verse that talks about sell all of your possessions and, and give to the poor. I don't believe that God wants you to lose everything in your life. But what I do believe is that God wants to make you equal across the board. He, there's no reason that we should have hungry people walking the streets of Cumberland. Because we throw away so much leftovers a week that, that there's no reason that should be taking place. If, if you have two bologna sandwiches, you should be able to give one bologna sandwich to somebody else. Now, use that analogy because I love Jen over here. And <laughs> we, we have a, a running thing in the homes that anytime I, I get to cheat, teach them or anything, I incorporate a bologna sandwich into it. And I've been trying to figure out how to get that into a message. So I did that one just for Jen, the, the bologna sandwich. Who, who loves our homes? Can, can we give them a round of applause? 
And this is one of the things that I love greatly about City Reach and our congregation is we humble ourselves to serve men and women that are lost and broken. And why? Not because we're getting anything out of it, but just because we want to see you guys succeed. We just want to see you be the greatest Jen that Jen can be. We want to see a Hector rise up and become a piano player and worship God with us. And that's the only reason. But where does that, I, I want to ask you guys, where does that humbleness really live in your life? Does it live in your life just here in City Reach when you're inside of these walls? Or is that the humbleness that you live in on a daily basis for the world out there? Because that's what it's going to take for us to expand the kingdom. For us to see salvation of the lost and broken out there. I'm guilty of it myself that you see somebody on the street and you, you just pass by them. You know, because it's, it's just not, it's not acceptable for you at that time or it's not easy for you at that time. Or, or whatever your cause may be. But then, I, but then we come into, come into here on Sunday, or we come in, I come in during the week and, and with the homes, and I, and I pour my all into it. We've got to learn to do that across the board, everywhere we're at. To hold a humbleness of service in our heart to the lost and broken. But not only to the lost and broken. We need to have a humbleness in our heart from the greatest to the least. Jesus didn't come out, come out of heaven and say, no, I'm, I'm only here for this select people. No, he said, I just came to serve mankind. I, I, didn't, I didn't die on the cross just, just for the, the drug addict. I didn't die on the cross just for the hungry. I died on the cross for all of them. Even, even the ones that were beating him and, and ridiculing him as he, as he hung on the cross, what did he say to them or say to God at the time? Forgive them, for they know not what they do. So even the people that were belittling him, love your enemy. And that's, that's, got, that's a tough thing to do. I mean, because sometimes you just want to throw punch the person and not pray for them. So, with humbleness and serving to one another, I want you guys to look real quick at Luke 3.11. And this is what I was talking about. If you have two bologna sandwiches, you give one away. He said, he answered and said to them, he who has two tunics, let him give to him who has none. And he who has food, let him do likewise. Who has two tunics, let him give to the, to the one that has none. We, we have this habit in our culture now of... I've got 16 jackets in my closet, but I see a cold man, and I'm like, ah, if, if I give away my red jacket, I can't wear my red shoes. If I give away my blue jacket, I can't wear my blue hat. God don't care about your color coordination. God cares about that man being cold just as he cares about you being cold. Amen. I disagree with the wife all the time when complaining about throwing leftovers away and it really hit me this week of like wow we really can't do that and I understand where our heart is now 
um, we're, we're so guilty of it, of in America, we, we, I love America, don't take it wrong, I say that all the time, but we waste more than most of the world has. But then we want to hang a sign that says feed the hungry on our front door. It just, it, it's mind-blowing to me. It, it really is. And we need to get more in the habit of thinking of how, how I can do less waste, waste, but feed more. How, how can the world be warm? Well, how can the world be warm? By you giving up 15 of the 16 jackets that are inside your closet. And I got reminded of something that happened in Kentucky that, that just, this is one of the things that brought love to me this week. And I don't say this to toot a horn or nothing like that. Um, I say this because it's a, it's a mindset that I need to remind myself of. But we're, I'm in Kentucky in the Hope Home, and uh, it's, it's me, Bobby Amos, and Pastor Andrew Grubb. We're, we're driving down the street, and right beside Burger King, there's a man with a sign. It's cold outside, and we're just like, man, we're going to stop. We're going to tell this guy about the Hope Home. We went with the agenda of, like, dude, we can, we can help you get a bed. We can get you off these streets. So as we start talking to him, we said, man, you know, we told him about the Hope Home. We said, well, you know, what can we do to help you? And he just looks at us and says, I'm cold. And instantly, both me and Bobby are standing there, start peeling our sweatshirts off. Why? Because I have a couple more in my closet at home. I can, I can give up the one that I have. And I, I wish that that was the heart that I could keep all the time. I wish it was the heart that we've seen in everyone. That when we see a problem, we don't talk about the problem. We don't hang a sign about the problem. That you do something about the problem. And this is, the, the, the Christianese that we've caused is, I'll pray for you. I don't want you to pray about that man's coldness. He wants you to make him warm. He wants you to give him a sweatshirt. He wants you to bring him home and feed him a meal. So I told you that the first four verses were the depiction of how you can begin to make yourself humble. There's so much more to humbleness. But then it goes into, starting in verse 5, it begins to, to give you the depiction of what it looked like for Christ to be humbled. Verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. This is that, 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 that separation between the two of where it's saying, this mind that I just told you about, let it be in you, but let me show you also how it was in Christ. I don't want you to think that I'm just telling you something to tell it to you. You're called to live as Christ, so I want to show you how Christ lived what I'm telling you. And that's what Paul is displaying here to the Philippians. It says, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. That's the, the beginning sacrifice that Christ made. He, he was God himself, and, and he lived in a place that the streets were paved with gold that were clear as glass. We can't even fathom what clear gold looks like. God had it all, but he made the sacrifice for you and I to say, I'm coming to serve you. This is a sacrifice that he made. But he didn't consider it to be equal with God. 
He became a servant, so it says, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Made himself of no reputation. I'm sorry, but if I created the universe and I created you, I'm boasting and bragging. But that is not what God did. And God could have came to the earth in any way, shape, or form, but chose to come as a servant. This is a bondservant. We talked about this a few weeks ago. A bondservant is somebody who chooses to be a servant, not somebody who forced to be a servant. Nobody made God come here to, to give us salvation. Nobody made God go to the cross. It may look like that through the man's eyes because they arrested him and, and nailed him to it, but God chose to do that for you and I. He, be, he became, he, he served in pain and anguish and, and hardship. I mean, for God's sake, see, he left this, this great place of heaven, and when he came to, to the earth, he came the exact same way you and I did through the birth canal, but he didn't get a warm, comfy hospital bed. He got put in a manger, and not, not the, the nice little nativity scene manger that has the clean hay and, and is, is all, cr all cuddly with a rocker on it and that. It... it it's a depiction of a trough that animals ate from. And there's a very good chance that they just took that hay off the ground and put inside of it, where the animals were peeing and pooping, and it was disgusting and filthy. He went from the greatest to the least. And we wonder why he tells us, those of you who want to be first must be last. Who wants to be the greatest must be the least. Because that is the depiction that he showed for us. That is what he did for us, and we're called to be like him. Most of us wouldn't give up our comfy beds that we have at home for a cot, let alone the greatest place in ever in existence to lay in a filthy manger. Became a servant. But not only did he become a servant, he did what every one of us hate to hear. Submission. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Nope. I may even skip over this slide because I hate it so much that I don't even want to talk about it. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. Humbled himself. What did we say that is? He became low. He became a servant. He humbled himself. But it says, to, obedient to the point of death. Even death of the cross. So it wasn't, it wasn't even obedient just to, just to the, the thing that was guaranteed of, of every man is death. He, he was obedient to the point of pain and suffering and anguish. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to cause myself any discomfort in any way, shape, or form. I won't even wear shoes that I don't like. And I'm not talking about just not being comfortable. If I don't like the looks of them, I'm not putting them on my feet. He became obedient to the point of everything, of, of taking a vicious beating. And, and we want to claim that once you become a Christian, life is so great, and everything's supposed to be peachy and hunky-dory, and I'm, I'm healed of everything, and there's not going to be any more problems in my life. No! No! Jesus himself was in submission to pain itself. Where's, where's, where's our thought process in that? Are you willing to not match your hat to your, to your jacket to make somebody else warm? Because Jesus was. 
I mean, I'm not sure that they had colorful hats and jackets and stuff back then, but he was, he was submissive and giving. Even death of the cross. A man without blemish died a criminal's death. The greatest became the least. But what do we see with Jesus' humbleness, Jesus' Jesus obedience, Jesus' Jesus servanthood, and his submission? It's the exact same that we can see in our own life if we follow the same principles, the same guidelines, and, and have the, the one mind, one accord, same thought process. And that's exactly what God did for him. Gave him the blessing. And what was the blessing for Jesus after all the pain and suffering? Therefore, God, has, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. I'm not telling you that your name is going to become greater than everybody's, okay? Not everybody gets to be let all about Phil, you know what I mean? I mean, it's, the, it's Philippians. But yet he does. He gives you the name above every name. Why? Because once you accept this, you become part of Jesus. You become the name above every name. And what will, what will God do with you once you become a part of that? Same thing he did for Christ in Philippians 2.10. That, that, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those in earth and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to glory of God the Father. How do we get this name that is above every other name? How do we become a part of that? By what it's telling us to do. To confess that Jesus is Lord. To accept that name above every name. Of heaven and of those on earth and those under the earth. Who believes that one day every, every knee shall bow? Who believes that that's really going to happen? So why, why are we waiting till the last moment of life sometimes to do that? So I know things were quick today, but can I have you guys rise with me real quick to the worship team? If you're somebody here who has never confessed that name, today's your day. Now, we're going to do it in humility and humbleness. I don't want anybody to raise your hand. Uh, if you want to come to the altar, awesome. If you don't, awesome. If you want to kneel down where you're at, do it. If you want to stand where you're at and just silence, do it. But let's, let's humble ourselves before Jesus. If you're somebody that's never confessed it, humble yourself today and say it. Because Jesus tells us in, in James 4, 6, but he gives more grace Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Who wants grace today? I, I do. Because I know that, I, that I've done wrong things. Humble yourself today and 
Just say the name Jesus. Just say it. I accept you. Let's bow our heads. Father God, we just say the name Jesus today. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We accept you as our Lord and Savior. We humbly place our hearts in front of you today and say the name Jesus. God, we just want to be a part of that one body, that one accord. I ask that you, you remind us of humility as we walk out of here today. Allow us to, to walk with one thought process of we just want to display Jesus. We just want to be the light to this cruel, corrupt world to bring it the grace that you give. God, we ask that you use us as your vessels this morning as we continue out. God, we just tell you we thank you, we love you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.